1: Plushcare.com slash weight loss.
2: So, Jim, I guess if I could start with you, it's been well documented that the basketball has probably suffered more than most sports in terms of return to play. And I was reading a Keith Duggan piece in the, from the Irish Times from the 4th of November where he said the basketball community in Ireland is used to being kicked around. It has always been treated like a second, like second class sport. Is that something that, that you would agree with in general terms? And has the last kind of year and a half been particularly tough for basketball?
3: Well, I think just the, the nature of the sport being an indoor sport, um, we didn't have the same flexibilities as other sports to get back and play outside. Although I do remember, Emer this time last year on a Sunday morning in freezing fog uh, on, on the back courts at Ballam School, mm. basketball definitely, whatever about playing outside in the winter, freezing fog wasn't wasn't uh, in the plan. But we did that. You know, we we, we availed of every opportunity we had. And any time there was a little easing in the regulations, we tried to get our players back out uh, and playing as, as much as we could. And great credit to all the coaches for doing that. Um, through the summer, we had we had a very successful um, competition. We played three on three with with the, the boys and the girls at all age levels. Uh, I guess our biggest concern through all of COVID was uh, what it would, what it might do to participation levels, you know, would would people drift away to other games or drift away from sport altogether, even worse. And, and I suppose um, the great news on that front is we've seen we've seen it come back and we've seen it come back as strong as ever. If not, um, that Michael Jordan video is being credited for a lot of new people taking up basketball, at, at certainly at the the older age groups. Um, so no, the, the good news is we've seen it come back and we've seen it come back very strong. Animer, turn to you for a moment. I mean, before we even get to
2: to the wolves and your involvement there. I mean, you played college basketball in the US and the scholarship. You've been heavily involved at, at a national organizational level. Talk to us a little bit about your your background and your your love for basketball, I guess, and where that came from.
4: Oh well, I was lucky that my big sister is uh, Maeve Coleman, who is one of the you know the key people in in wolves, and you know I grew up going to her games and. her to play out the back garden, you know, her and my other two sisters and my dad. And it just came from there. I was really, really, really lucky that she had found the sport and fell in love with it. And I reaped the benefits of it, you know, being the younger sister and getting all that competitive time out the back garden. So yeah, it all started back then and it's it's a huge part of our family. Even my sisters who said they didn't like it, they did. They they used to listen at the dinner table. So it's a huge, it's a huge part of our lives. And I
2: guess, like I suppose, we call basketball a minority sport. I mean, it's clearly a huge, a huge presence, even though everything is probably dwarfed by by GEA and rugby and soccer in, in Ireland to an extent. But uh, you know, you were over in the US um, when you were when you were younger and you were playing over there. I mean, we're used to seeing athletes going over there to compete at, at track and field and on scholarships. But I would have, I would have thought, and maybe I'm wrong now, but I would have thought going over in a basketball scholarship was slightly unusual.
4: Yeah, uh, I think I'd say probably. I'd say probably five people had gone before I went and loads have gone since. You know, basketball is the second biggest sport in Europe um, after after the soccer kind of football, Mm. (laughs) the real big sport. Yeah. So like basketball is the second biggest sport and it's huge. It's just Ireland, for whatever reason, hasn't caught the bug yet, you know, but that's not to say it won't. Uh, it's the third, third biggest sport in Ireland, the biggest indoor sport, possibly the fastest growing. So, um, you know, it's it's huge. So, you know, a lot of there's a lot of people in the States now on scholarship, whether that's in prep schools, which is the year between high school and college or actually in college, boys and girls. So loads now. And so wh-
2: what Jim was talking about there in terms of the fear of, you know, kids, at all kind of levels. And I know you've got, you've got kids teams all the way up through the age groups. Was there, was there a fear on your part as well that you would lose players to other sports during the lockdown? Because I guess that's a, you know, there's there's always serious competition for, for players that across all, all codes. So if soccer was back or GA was back and basketball, wasn't, was that a, something that you were
4: concerned about as well? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I think, um, I think we have a, like a really, really super bunch of volunteers in our club. Um, I was in a brilliant club growing up and I think Wolves outdoes it in terms of its effort and passion. Um, and there's a huge group of volunteers and there was lots of effort behind the scenes and by coaches to keep their teams engaged, you know, to do online workouts. And then as Jim said, as soon as we got the sniff of an outdoor court, we were all over them. So, so it was a concern, but I think, you know, huge credit to everyone for keeping the kids involved and engaged Um we've lost a couple to to the sport with the funny shaped ball. Um <laughs> but uh you know they'll come back, they'll learn.
2: <laughs> I guess that's the thing and and Jamie you know you touched on it there but it's um it's it's a sort of thing that you know if people have a love for it you know basketball obviously is as you said there as Emer said there it's it's a hugely popular sport in Ireland even if it doesn't get the attention it necessarily deserves but if you have a love for basketball if kids have a love for that they're they're probably always going to want to come back to it. So it from what you're saying it doesn't sound like you have lost too many too many people Jim and most of them have come back
3: as I said uh, as I said participation levels are, are really high uh, a, a lot of people have come back and a lot of new people have come to the sport which is great um and there is you know um there's a sizable contingent I'd say who basketball is is their game you know it's the one it's it's their it's their first true love when it comes to playing a sport and the and the fear there was that you know um kids would just drift off and end up sitting in front of a PlayStation or whatever. And, and uh, you know, there's, there's a whole huge focus on healthy lifestyle around basketball as well.
4: Yeah. As Jim yeah. said as well, the Michael Jordan documentary, it was just such fortuitous timing for our sport. And we got such an influx of boys in particular at that at the kind of the 15, 14, 15, 16 age group. A huge influx of them I think people are starting to realize that basketball is is the sport that can really give you a future it can get you places it can open doors for you it can help you travel the world represent your country you know and I think the Jordan documentary really whetted people's appetite for that
2: yeah it's amazing I mean we were talking about it recently in terms of even the interest in Formula One that's peaked because of the drive to survive so these things can have a massive impact on on sport and on participation one of the other things that that I was reading up about recently is that you know basketball is such a, a welcoming and it's not that other sports aren't but if you know if you're if you're coming into Ireland maybe from a from a different ethnic background or from you know Eastern Europe or wherever it might be or Africa basketball is a world-renowned sport whereas the GEA maybe wouldn't be as much so so you kind of do have that open door and you do probably get a lot of kids from from different backgrounds coming into play because they're familiar with the sport Emer. Mm, yeah we do
4: I think we don't get enough you know we've and we've had conversations about this before you know we like to think of ourselves as a really inclusive and open club um you know and, and but like when you look at the population the the percentage of the population that's made up of the countries in Europe for whom basketball is their number one sport like Lithuania it's basketball they're born with one in their hands you know mm-hmm. we don't we you know if we, if we had the capacity the space and the time you know, we'd we'd be able we'd have far more hopefully, you know, but it is a diverse I don't know the numbers, Jim. I don't know if you know the, the, the split in terms of nationalities in the club, but I,
3: I know there was a stat um before we broke up, um I think somebody said we'd some like thirteen nationalities playing in the club.
2: Mm. Yeah, and I suppose that's the you know that's the draw of it as well. And and it's great to have those people. But as you said, Amy, you're always you're always looking for more to draw more people in. But just in terms of the the growth of the club, like I know you've you've got over 20 teams and I'm looking through your, your website and I must um give whoever designed the website great credit. I've seen a lot of uh, sports organisations websites over the years and and uh, they're not always that pleasant to look at but it's uh, it's really nicely put together and the, the logo and everything is fantastic. And obviously you're coming together from uh, the bullets and the sparks at the beginning of or at the beginning of July 2019 but in terms of the number of teams you have now Jim I mean over 20 teams I think I saw 28 teams uh, listed somewhere as well like all the way up through the age groups that's an incredible growth in a fairly short period of time, albeit it was two clubs coming together. But the, the,
3: the Wolves have obviously really taken off. Absolutely. And, and we couldn't do any of that without coaches. Uh, I think we've got something close to 40 volunteer coaches in the club, um, ranging from people who, who are you know, quite experienced and would have played at national level and so on, um, to parents who've, who've taken it up and got involved. Um, we do a lot with transition year students every year. We put them through through um, coaching courses. We offer them courses in refereeing. We offer them courses at table officials. So, trying to find different ways that people can be involved in the game and even stay involved in the game past their playing days.
2: And the other thing I noticed recently was the um, international recognition recognition. Max Tyndall. Brought into the under eighteen squad, so you're obviously competing at a high enough level that you know players are, are getting recognised, and the I suppose the, the credit they're getting for their performance is being recognised at international level as well, which must be a, a huge boost to the club too.
3: Well, great for the players themselves, and and great to have role models like that in the club. Um, everyone literally looks up to Max. What is he six five six six at seventeen years old, something like that. But but as well, you know, he's following in 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 a tradition of players from the club representing the country you know we had wed a and denzel in the last couple of years and back before that um and um that's something we're really focused on at uh, the club as in, in terms of development so uh, this year uh, we have what is it Emer- uh, at the regional academies we have
4: 19 players
3: ni- 19 players and and regional academies get filtered down into the the big squads for internationals and then they get whittled down to the final uh, 15 or so. So we have um, a bunch of people then going through those stages at, at different stages, uh, uh, hopefully progressing towards being selected for Ireland as well. But it's, it's great to have them. It's great for them as individuals to have the opportunity, you know, to come in as a seven or eight year, year, year old at Academy, to develop through our, our underage system, have opportunities to play for country uh, have opportunities on, on the boys' side now to play at all the way up to National League level um, if if they want. And part of our strategic plan is before very long to have a National League-level team for, for women as well. You know, So it's um, definitely something we're focused on, on, on as a club that if you want to come along and play to the level you can play, fantastic. If you want to come along and you have that talent and the potential to develop and go all the way to uh, national or international level, or hopefully, if you want even to get to get to the States for a few years, it's fantastic that we're able to provide that opportunity. Um, and as I said, a huge amount of that comes back to the structures that people like Maeve have put in place, and to the coaches that buy in and support all of that.
2: Yeah, and I suppose what goes on on the court is one thing, but emer that has to be supported by... An awful lot of work in the background as well, and I know you mentioned in our in our chat before we we went online here that you're a strategy consultant um what's involved in terms of the the moving parts behind the scenes, and Jim mentioned their development plan and all that kind of stuff, and you 've got your plan for the next five years there's a lot of work in that as well and and for the club to be sustainable and to be successful into the future, what's your kind of take on that and what's your input on that and how that works
4: well well i i i am kind of blown away by the amount of work that goes on behind the scenes i i don't sit in the executive committee um i'm coaching primarily and and i helped the club develop its strategic plan before i got involved in coaching so but i'm on the periphery of all that goes on and i tell you the the public and the players and the parents have no idea the amount of work that goes on behind the scenes it's it it could be a full-time job if we were professionals <laughs> we could be well paid and you know get paid to do what we love it's there's a huge amount of work behind the scenes from the the administration of the sport so barbara kelly just did fixtures for 300 games for 21 teams for this coming season in two different leagues that's one one person with help from other people on the committee that's just an example of the scale of stuff that goes on operationally then development wise so Maeve Coleman is um is director of of basketball and coaching and so constant eye to the future in terms of how we're developing players and coaches, because you can't develop players if you don't develop your coaches. So, you know, constant thinking and ideas, and then there's it's like it's easy to have the thinking and the ideas, but it's actually the making stuff happen. As we know, that's you know, the 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 kind of the hard part. And again, there's loads of people in the club who just get stuck in. You know, roll their sleeves up, and um, you're never short of people who'll put their hands up to help. You know, within the, the the kind of coaching circle we have. But as Jim said, I think it's really important that we build out our volunteer base beyond coaches. You know, because it's a great club to be part of, and hopefully someday we'll have our own purpose-built arena that we can all actually have a clubhouse that we can be part of together in. We can all move in, Jim. <laughs> Literally, be together twenty-four-seven.
3: That's definitely an aspiration that we have, uh, and and it's early days on that. But um, uh, David, one one of one of the challenges we have as a club is, um, you know, our cost base is very high because we're an indoor club. We're renting gym space. I think I think we're in something like five schools across Toronto right now, and great credit to the schools; they're the terrific help to us. Um, but the cost of playing basketball can be a lot higher than the cost of of playing other sports, and that's something we're very conscious of. And um, so, having our own facility someday will hopefully let us grow those those uh, participation levels well beyond where we are now. At, you know, it, it's a it's a tough thing to have to do, but we're actually turning away uh, boys and girls right now because our teams are full, and we just we don't have the court space and we don't have the time, um, uh, the court time to 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 have more teams. So for for us on the executive committee, and for you know, in terms of strategic thinking, that's that's definitely something that we're looking at.
0: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm, HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com.
1: That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss.
2: Just on on the subject as you bring it up there of facilities and everything else and infrastructure. Um there was a conversation you may have heard earlier today around building a uh, a new stadium for a proposed FIFA World Cup bid in 2030, which is eight years away, so you know. Not much time to get that done. Um, One of the things that frustrates me around those kind of discussions is when you look at League of Ireland facilities within Ireland, when you look at the likes of yourselves there trying to build a basketball facility and we have politicians coming on and talking about building another massive stadium when Ireland really doesn't need one. Does that frustrate, That's kind of conversation frustrate you, Jim, in terms of, and I don't want to get down into the whole political situation here, but oh, I just there's a lot that. there's a lot of money, there's a lot of talk around these kind of things, and there's there are sports like basketball and cricket or tennis or whatever crying out, League of Ireland football, as I said, crying out for money for facilities, and yet these conversations are still being had. We have learned nothing, it seems, from the Bertie Bowl debacle 15 years ago. Is that something
3: that would annoy you and frustrate you? I laughed out loud when I read that. You know, I, I find that hard to take serious I, I find it difficult to believe that there are people in the doll who are so out of touch with what's going on in their own communities and with, and in clubs up and down the country that they're talking about building white elephants and um, when there are clubs of all kinds and sports of all kinds who are who are crying out for the basics and, and really really struggling to get support I won't say any more than that. Uh, yeah. and I'm not saying anything about that individual, but you hear it from time to time and in different ways, and it's it's just so out of touch with reality.
2: Yeah, and and Emer, I guess you know the as you as, as Jim was talking about there, you're, and it's the same for any club when you're in a situation where you're kind of having to rent out facilities and you're at the mercy of whoever owns the facility, you know, giving you the time to have it, and and that as Jim mentioned there can hold back the club because you don't have the court time or the court space to, to do everything you want to do. So you know is that one of the main kind of priorities for the club to get their own facility and, and to get that up and running because presumably that's that's going to be a huge expense and take an awful lot of work and it might not happen for a few years but is that one of the the headline items you guys want to get done as soon as possible
4: yeah absolutely and like one of the one of the big reasons to touch back on something we talked about earlier the diversity of draw you know greater draw areas has a population of eighty eight thousand. you know and, I can't remember the statistics offhand in terms of the different foreign national populations, but, you know, there's a lot of people who, as we know, Ireland is, is a very expensive place to live. And basketball, which is the second most popular sport in, in, in the world is inaccessible for a lot of these people because it's such an expensive sport to play. And like our club fees, for example, like the, the, all of the club fees go to covering costs, you know, and, that's just the reality of the how,
2: how much, how much out of interest is are, are the club fees and how, where do where the where the expenses come from? I know, obviously, you're, you're renting out space, but is that the main expense for you guys in terms of that kind of thing? You've been probably insurance and everything else
3: as well. Yeah, well, well, first of all, to say. Just to make it clear, let there be any doubt, the schools we work with are fantastic and they look after us uh, very, very well. So so this no reflection on them. But, you know, they've got facilities and, and, and they've got to keep the lights on and all that sort of stuff as well. Um, We're spending around about €6,000 a month on court rental alone. So it is the single huge uh, outlay from the club uh, month in, month out through the year. And, and the vast majority of um, uh, members' fees go towards paying less. Uh, a, a little bit goes towards... You know things like registr- registration with the with the local and national bodies the referees and and people who come to run the games for us get a little bit uh for doing that but as I say over six thousand a month every month going out in in gym rental and uh, and it's not that the schools won't give us more they would if they could we we we've basically maxed them out now and um so when you've got part-time coaches who can only coach in the evening and stuff like that, or amateur coaches, I should say, who can only coach in the evenings, we just don't have space to put them. And and that's the longer term goal then, to, to find a solution to that problem, uh, to make it accessible and, and to let us uh, have more people play.
2: And how... How far away do you think that is having your own spaces or are you is it difficult to say at this point or are there any is there anything on the on the horizon at this point in time on that, or is it just a work in progress at the moment?
3: Uh, that's very much a work in progress yeah so so no big announcements ready or anything like that I
2: I suppose the other thing I mean maybe you could you could take this one as much as it's it's probably a frustration and a sadness in a way that you can't cater for everybody it it speaks volumes about the success of the of the club and the number of people that you have there that want to play basketball which I suppose is a, a maybe a silver lining on that little cloud
4: yeah I think uh like the, the as I say, it's an amazing sport and it gets into your blood, you know, and it's um it's really unique in that anyone can play it and you know you, you don't really have to have anything other than a will to play and um a team to play with and you can feel part of it and the fact that there's five people on the court at a time in a game you know, you're there and you're in it and you're on the front line with your teammates and, you know, you've another five or six or seven waiting to come on the court and they all have the, each other's back. So it's it's a really supportive um, sport in that way because, you know, the teams are smaller and you're all there and you're all kind of on the front line, as I said. Um, you know, I just love, I would love for, as we're building this club in in silos effectively because we're in different, different gyms, I just can't wait for the day when it can all, live and breathe and excel under one roof where you can genuinely have a club a vibe of a club and you can build it and feel it and sense it and I want other away teams to come thinking oh brilliant we're going to play in the wolves den you know this weekend what an amazing place to go and for it to be packed full of kids and you know we we have ideas or visions or you know crazy notions call it what you will of this being a place where you know, the doors could be open potentially 24 seven as a, as a place where people can go and they've nowhere else to go that they can turn away from other less, uh, I suppose, less healthy ideas and come and play, you know, mm-hmm. you can come and like in, we were in Romania a couple of years and there were kids hanging out on outdoor courts that were floodlit paid for by the council. Mm-hmm. And, and that's how they socialize. They hang around courts and they wait to get their turn on with their five mates, their four or five mates um like what a brilliant idea to solve social problems and you know the sport is primed to do that and um, so for so many reasons i just can't wait for that day you know and i think that that drives on our stubbornness to make it happen
2: yeah and i suppose you know it's it it, it's, it highlights in some ways how far behind we are in, in so many ways in terms of in terms of sporting facilities in this country we're not going to solve that yeah. one this evening unfortunately but jim just one last one for you um you know, Emer talked about the and I can see the, the the passion in her face and the excitement in her face at the thoughts of, of having your own your own venue in years to come and what a day that'll be. And let's hope it's it's sooner rather than later. But what were your what are your kind of goals and aspirations for the for the club in the in the medium to short the, the short to medium term, even the next five years or so? What what are
3: your kind of main aspirations for the club? So um things we're working on right now, um are greater levels of participation for girls. Um, we, we I, I don't know the number of girls that we have, but we have girls from academy up, up to senior ladies, um, but there aren't as many teams as uh, on the boys side. So we're working on a plan to encourage more girls to take up the sport and to um, retain them uh, through the older age groups, particularly. So that's something that that's a big priority. Um, uh, we've got our men to National League level after a bit of a COVID hiatus, um, but they're there now, thankfully, and it's up and running and and going very well. Uh, fantastic um, to use that as a tool to generate more interest and for the kids to come along and see a really high level of um play and players that they know playing it which is which is uh equally important um so we're probably you know maybe two maybe three years away from having our ladies team to that level as well because uh it's very important to us that that girls uh get to have those same opportunities and that they see those same role models so hmm. they're, they're the things we're working on
2: i did say that was my last question i do have one more as, as Jim mentioned there Emer, it just reminded me we read and we hear so much about the dropout rate from, from girls in particular in those teenage years. And, you know, have you found that, or have you seen within the club that retaining girls at that age level is, is difficult or is what you've seen slightly different to what we're being kind of told in the press, because that is the narrative that we see all the time that when girls kind of hit 15, 16, they tend to drift away from sport. Have you noticed that yourself?
4: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think it's, it's, that's a, you know, a, I won't say global issue, but it's, you know, certainly a, a a huge issue across the world. I actually don't know what the stats are in the States, it'd be interesting to see. But um, you know, we we have like 65% of our members are male versus 35% female in a sport that is 50-50 in Ireland. So we're you know, we're underrepresented on the female side. Um, as Jim said, we have a future five um plan in place which is a five-year plan for um development of the players we currently have and um but also acquisition so getting new members in from from uh the general population in draw and then reaching into different areas of draw too and hope that we can make basketball more accessible um and then obviously retaining those people through so um yeah so it's very much you know the, the club reflects society's problem at the minute. So we're just trying to find new and inventive ways to solve that now.
2: And just one last thing for me then, if people want to get involved with Draw the Wolves, uh, presumably the website's the best place to go, E. There's contact numbers there. Is that the best option if people want to become involved or, or help out in any way or even play if they're if they're at that
3: level? You'll find us there. You'll find us all over social media. We have a small but very dedicated uh a social media team that are on far more platforms than I am. So they're on Facebook, they're on Instagram, they're on who knows what they're on, but they're everywhere. So, so search for Draw the Wolves and you'll find us. That's brilliant. Listen, Jim Agnew, Eamor, Howard. Thanks so much
2: for joining me.
4: Thanks, David.
0: Thanks, David. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row, dreaming of something better? Well, hello, Fresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Geeky Palmer.